All right. This is serious multitasking. Come Holy Spirit. I've got a handheld mic. I've got a clicker. I've got a demonstration. Can you match? Do you see what I need there? Tulio might know too. <laughs> yes, amen. Ooh, guys, I didn't do that. Did I do that? Guys, I feel like I'm going to break out in song, and you guys don't want to hear that. So let's get the word going. Is this on, Mitch? No, it wasn't on. Here we go. Does anyone need a handout? Please raise your hand if you need a handout. There we go. Amen. The word of God is a, uh, a two-edged sword, amen? We're going to get into the word and we're going to let him do some cutting this morning. What do you think? Oh, no one said amen. We're going to let him do some cutting this morning. What do you think? Amen? Look at this. What in the world? Water. This feels very precarious. It wasn't this precarious at home when I tried it. And that's also because I had this little girl over here. Come here. Come here. She's going to be my helper. Hello. Can you go say hi to Emma Grace? Can you say hi? Say good morning. Can you say we love you? Yes? Do you want to pray anything for them? No? Not right now? Okay. I'll tell you what. Uh, Daddy, can you find her a little seat and she can sit up here with me? Is that okay, guys? That she sits with me today? Sorry, the Band-Aid didn't work. The Band-Aid trick didn't work this morning. All right, here we go. Lord, we need you. Amen? I believe that there's going to be some time at the end where we're going to just um, really engage into, one, what Brandon has already um, invited us into, which is really sensing what the Lord is doing, that we can go to one another, we can sense in our bodies, we can sense with words of knowledge, we can get to hear something, we can see something, we can taste something, we can feel something where we can engage one another. This place is it, of, of sitting before the Lord and, and, and spending time with him and learning how to wait in the Lord is, is, uh, is stirring. It's stirring in our nation, it's stirring across the globe. Last week, was it last week? The week before, it feels like I, it may have been the week before at this point, yeah? We um, took every evening, um, every evening was different, and people gathered just to sit before the Lord and hear what he was saying, and that stirred up words, and we might have some time at, towards the end to hear some of those testimonies, but they're cool testimonies. Some of the things that um, we heard during the week, I've included into um, kind of what I'm talking about today, but I, I, I want to be able just to say, Lord have your way this morning. Can we do that? Can we just say, have your way? Because here's what's going to come against us. Religion is going to come against us. We're pretty charismatic, right? We're pretty evangelistic, right? We like the Holy Spirit. Religion wants to put us in order and put us in law to a point where it confines us. Does anybody want to agree with me? No religion this morning. No religion this morning. Amen? So we're going to go after it. 
this whole thing of the, the word of, um, you know, will you perceive it? Are you aware of it? It's just, it continues to stir in me. Um, this, this last week, there were several encounters that I had of, in which I felt totally, completely ill-equipped. I mean, whether it was David and I were having one of those intense discussions or whether it was someone at work that I was having to deal um, through a very intense situation, I would literally get to a point where I was like, I'm, I'm, I don't know what to do, God. I don't know what to do. And I literally heard him say, yep, by my spirit. By my spirit. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. Like there is nothing in some moments, as much as I know, as much as I can understand, as much as I've given myself to the Lord, in that moment, it is by my spirit. Anybody else get into that rut? Where you think you know the Lord enough that you can navigate through the situation yourself? Right? We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit this morning, and um, I, don't, I want to talk about him like he's in the room. Because he is. <laughs> right? Not some off-distant thing that we continue to have to ask to come. We say come because we're asking for the bridegroom to come back. Does that make sense? Our spirits say come because we're yearning to go home. We're yearning for the bridegroom to come back, but the Holy Spirit's already here. Amen? Amen. Here we go. So are we positioned for outpouring this whole idea of the word coming out, and I think it came through a tongue, it came through prayer. There's a lots of confirmation of make space, make room, make ready. There's just different things, and I'm going to dig into it a little bit today. I we want to do it. Will we perceive it? And I think in this journey of perceiving it, one of the things that we we're laying down is that it's not circumstantial, it's relational. Right? If God's going to do something, he's going to do it relationally because that is literally the foundation of our relationship with him and what he's doing. Right? He's not trying to change our circumstances on earth. In fact, he says he gives us more understanding and instruction on how to walk through this earth than he says, I'm going to deliver you from it. Right? He talks to us more about how to transition through it walk through it, journey through it. Through Christ's sufferings, we know him, right? So there's the journey. The new thing that he's doing is taking religion away from us and giving us relationship back. Gosh, I thought that was going to get more exciting than that. The new thing. Relationship, not circumstance. I might have you... There we go. Now, Mitch said something last week that stirred me. I like, and I have to admit, Mitch said it, and I don't remember what he said for a few minutes afterwards. But I think that that's okay, right? Because once the Spirit sets something into you, you need to eat it, you need to think about it, you need to weigh it, right? And so he said, for God knows that on the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will become like God, knowing good and evil in Genesis 3, 5. And instantly I went, wait a minute, to be like God? What is the enemy trying to do here? You can go to the next slide. 
in his image, we were made for relationship. So the enemy cannot create, he can only pervert. And well, here's what he did from the very beginning. He took what the Lord had said to us and he created a lie. He said, here, go be like God. So what did he do? He put the inception into humanity that you are in lack. He seeded in, you are in lack. And then he said, so that you can know good and evil. So you can control. He put two inceptions from the very beginning. And you know what they did? They took our relationship. Because he said before it even started, before the enemy even came, he said, do not eat of it for you will what? Surely die. Did they die when they ate of it? No, what happened? They got separated in relationship. The enemy knew that if we stayed in relationship with God and right relationship with one another, that quite honestly, he was done before it even began. And he came with two very insidious things, lack and control. When the Lord was doing one thing, preserving relationship. From the very beginning, when he spoke to us, this is what just shook me. I made in his image, and then he said, I'm going to preserve you into relationship with me. He not only put us into motion and created this being, but then he brought us into relationship so that we would be able to function in it. I'm going to switch to the mic, guys, because this is going to fall off my ear. Sorry, guys. Wardrobe malfunction. So the reality of us from the very beginning is that he's been putting this inception of preserving relationship to us. Is this not powerful? That's powerful to me, right? It's because the greater is the truth that he put into motion. We spend, and this is what we're going to talk about today, we spend so much time unpacking what the enemy's doing and sometimes not enough time receiving what God already said. Right? And when he says something, you know, like this, is, he always reminds me when I, when I think of God said something, I always think about light. When he said, let there be light, what is still expanding today? Light. When the Lord speaks, it multiplies, it expands. And when he said, right? Don't go eat of that because you'll surely die. What was he doing? He was saying, I'm trying to create space for you to have relationship with me. Don't go outside of it. So pervers perver perversion, preserving relationships, staying connected to God and one another. So from the beginning, protection, which is Genesis 2.17. Then I want to go into this idea about motivated by love. We all know the scripture, right? For God so... Right? Powerful. 
right, motive for God so loved the world. Loved. He's motivated by love, and we should be motivated by love. In fact, in 1 John 4, 7 through 21, if you got your phone, get it out. You got your Bible, get it out. Right? John, 1 John 4, 7 through 21. Beloved. Who's that? That's us. Beloved. Those are those of us that have confessed the name of Jesus as our Lord and Savior. This is what is expected of us. Beloved, let's love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Skipping down to verse 12. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us. What is he saying? How are you going to see God? Through one another. It says, and his love, in verse 12, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us, and his love is perfected in us. If we love one another, this is crazy. If we love one another, God's presence becomes resonant. He becomes resident among us. Right? His love is then perfected in us. What do you and I want? We want to get free. Hmm. Right? We want to get free. We want to be overcomers. His love then perfects us. By this, verse 13, by this we know that, if, that we remain in him, and him and he in us because he has given us his Holy Spirit. Verse 18, there is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment and the one who fears is not perfected in love. Ouch. Ouch. Right? Because God is motivated from the very beginning. He's motivated in love and he's saying, hey, if you love one another, if you love me and you love one another, I'm going to remain with you. And as I remain with you, perfection will come. If you begin to let Fear come in, creeping in. You're in lack. You, need, you don't know what the future is. You're going to fail. And you begin to let that insidious stuff come in and, and create resonance. What's happening? This is what happens. If someone says, I love God, yet he hates his brother and sister, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother and sister does what? Whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Wow. We want fullness. We want more. We want to see God move. We want all these things, right? But he's putting it down to love. You cannot see him if I cannot love this one. It's the same thing as forgive so that you can be. These are hard scriptures, are they not? So, Leanne, we love you. 
Thank you. This is good stuff because what he's doing is he's pulling away. God, there's goodness coming. There's goodness coming. Stick with me. There's goodness coming. And it says the commandment that we have from him, this is verse 21, that the one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. So this whole thing that he's trying to preserve, he's trying to preserve an atmosphere of love, an atmosphere of connection. He desires connection. In Revelation 3.20, I love it. He says, I'm going to come knock. Hey, hey, I'm knocking. If you invite me in, I'm actually going to sit down and eat with you. He's desiring this preservation of relationship is where he wants us to be in. Redeeming relationship. So, let's say of this one, reconciling back to the Father. Salvation. So this is where this little comes in. You want to stand up? You going to help me? She's doing so good, isn't she? All right. So here's the thing, right? Salvation. It says that he came so that we may be saved. Saved means what? I gave, I gave you the answer. <laughs> saved, healed, and delivered. Sozo. In the New Gospels, when he says that I've come to save, it is the word sozo, which is saved, healed, and delivered. Can you imagine maybe when we're praying for people's salvation that we should be anticipating a little bit more than I give my life to Jesus? <laughs> right? Anybody ever feel like you need to get saved again? <laughs> right? So the idea of salvation is we become born again. Guys, do you remember your first experience of being born again? Water baptism? We're having water baptism, I think, in April. Is that right? We're going for April. We're going to have some water baptisms. How many? Raise your hand. Glorious moment. Glorious moment, right? It's one of those things where you're like, are you sure the heavens didn't open? I'm pretty sure the heavens opened, right? Born again. When we begin literally to be born again, what does he do? He washes us white as snow. He begins to just 100%. We're clear. We're free. Saved, healed, and delivered. He now views us through the blood of Christ, which is perfection. He's calling us to righteousness because he's attributed it to us. This is good. Amen? Then, where's the spoon, girl? You want to do it? Then life happens. Isn't that beautiful? Life happens. Anybody have life happen to them lately? Let's see if I can do that. Right? Things start happening where what happens? Sins of commission. Things that we just overtly do. Things of omission, where we just neglect and don't do. Things of omission by other people. They didn't save us from a trauma. They didn't remove themselves from a situation. Sins of commission, they abused us. They violated us. They took things from us. Things where we just confessed lies. She loves doing this part. She, we confessed lies, unbeliefs, disappointment. Now, does anyone ever feel like this sometimes? We're born again. Has that changed? No. Old man comes in. You start repeating some of the old patterns of perversion and fear. 
right? You go back into circumstances come in, things that you can't control, but circumstances change, right? Someone sideswipes you, right? Trials and tribulations, things come up, sickness, tragedy, trauma, death, loss. Then this interesting part is, I'm going to do this one, okay? Is that sometimes we get all religious and we start to try to clean, right? I can't even get the cleaner in there, right? We start cleaning. We think, okay, I'll just disinfect this. I'll just, you know, I'll do what I know I'm supposed to do and I'll just start disinfecting. Does that seem like it's cleaning anything? No, it sure makes it look like the surface is getting clean. Maybe I can wipe the surface off. But there's some stuff way down here the cleaner's not even getting to. And we enter into religious spirits and we enter into things where we ought to do and we get into law and we get into practice. And yet the thing still sits here. So what is going to change this dynamic, right? What's going to change this dynamic? See, I told you I was multitasking this morning. Here's what's happening. We've got, we become a victim instead of an overcomer. We get cloudy vision. We get dissatisfied. We get weary. And we get isolated. Yeah? We got we, we to gotta figure something out here. And this is the interesting part. Guys, I'm not, I, I, I stole this from a reel on Instagram. They weren't a Jesus person, but I instantly was highly impressed. Because if I sit here and I do this, and I do this, and I'm getting some decent chunks out, right? But what, what, what ends up happening? It gets muddier. And then I get more anxious. And i got to figure out how to get it out faster. Because nobody wants to see me like this. I don't want to see me like this. Right? What is happening here? I can't get any pieces out. What is happening? Right? If I spend all my energy trying to get all these pieces out, will I ever do it? No. There's only one way. You ready? There's only one way. You'll hold my hand up here. There's only one way that the dynamic changes. If we put more water in there, it will eventually become entirely clear again. See, you and I can get into a religious habit of trying to pick everything out. And that's partly good, right? We need to remove things in our life. We need to safeguard ourselves from putting stuff back in, right? But the truth is, to change the dynamic completely is but by the Spirit of God, sanctification, holy liberation into relationship. One of the things, you want to go sit? Or you can sit right up here with my mom. Mom's going to be done for a second, okay? Um, one of the pictures that the, the Lord gave me a long time ago during a deliverance session was, you know, when he, when he talks about the captives are set free, was he reminded me of um, horse training and the sense of, like, a cowboys, when they would go fix fence, like some of my ranching uncles, when they would go get fence, what they would do is 
to train their horses is when they were younger, they would take their reins and they would hook it down to like a, a post in the ground. And then they would create noise, just constant noise and distraction. And the horse would hit back on the reins, right? Pull back on the reins and couldn't move, couldn't leave the situation that they were in. So when they would go out to fence, all they had to do was take the reins down and let them go to the ground. And then anything, an animal could come up, something could spook them, but they would not leave the place they're in because they were trained to have the reins down. This is the difference between freedom and liberation. That horse was free, but not liberated. We've been set free, but are we living liberated? Are we living in a place in which we're not still bound by the ideals and the mindsets and the religious spirits that had taught us this is the way it has to be and this is how it has to be? Or have we been wholly liberated onto what the Lord has called us to in relationship? Sanctification is this process, bringing us back into holiness and bringing us back into right relationship. You can go to the next one, guys. I'll just tell you when to go to the next one. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all the defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Next one. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts by which yours is um, in ignorance, but be like the holy one you're called to. The holy, um, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. So that's that part of us that doesn't need to be adding back in, right? So it's one thing to not get into a habit of not adding back in, but we still have the remains that are left. And how do we get what's remained in us out, the liberation? The next slide. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But we all, with unfailed faces, looking in the mirror, glory of the Lord as being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as I am, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. So this is a process. We all know it's a process. But what process is it that we should be in? Can you just stay with me for a second there? This is a process. Glory to glory. He said it's going to happen. This is how it happens. Until he comes back, we're not completely glorified unto him, right? We still are here in our flesh. But it's a process. The situation is which process are we choosing? Are we doing it in our other selves? Are we doing it according to what religion has told us? Are we doing it according to relationship? Yeah? Next one, guys. Spirit-filled, empowered relationships. This is the turning point, right? This is what happens, is that, you know what? Tulia, give me some more water. Let's just get this baby clean. I can't stand looking at the fragments, right? This is just, we need this baby clean. Spirit-filled, empowered relationship. Next slide, guys. So we're talking about preserving relationships. 
We're talking about redeeming relationship. Right now, he's redeeming us through salvation, through sanctification. And now, not only has he said, hey, I'm going to save, heal, and deliver you, I'm going to take you through a sanctification process in which you're going to become more and more and more like me. I'm also going to fill you with my spirit. Amen. Because the other two aren't possible without performance. You have to have the spirit to not make the other two performance. Do you see that? The other two don't require relationship. They require what? Surrender and obedience. Surrender and obedience. Spirit-filled requires relationship. It requires being possessed and filled by someone else. And that their way is greater did you guys hear that with me? Spirit-filled, not by might, thank you, not my might, not my power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Next slide. And do not be drunk with wine in which there is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another. Hmm, he called us to start getting words of knowledge tomorrow morning. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with our hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks to all the things in the name of the Lord Jesus, to our Father, and subject ourselves to one another. What is happening? What is happening? I missed. That's hilarious. I, can't, I, can't, I cannot multitask everything. Come on now, people. Come on. Look at that. Come on. Look at those chunks are even coming up. Chunks are rising to the top to get removed. Amen. Chunks are getting done. Guys, this is the exciting part. And to the next one, go to the next one. This is the exciting part of what it is to be spirit-filled. It literally doesn't mean all this performance of dig, 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 dig. That can get so obnoxiously narcissistic. When he said, hey, I've preserved relationship with you. I've made a way. I've made salvation. There's a way through sanctification, and I'm going to fill you with my Holy Spirit so that you could be in relationship. The ten virgins is, the, is an incredible um, parable, especially for the season of life that we're in here on earth. Go to the next slide. Matthew 25, at the time the kingdom of heaven will take ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. So ten virgins, in Jewish culture, the weddings would take place, there would be ten virgins that would be the bridesmaids, right? So they would hang out with, there was three parts to the, there was the engagement, the betrothal, and then the actual wedding feast, right? And so what ended up happening is between the time that um, betrothal, where the, the, the man would go away, he would prepare a place, this is sounding so familiar, he would go away and prepare a place, and then he would come back on an unexpected hour, right? Unexpected hour, and the ten virgins were bridesmaids that were with the bride, taking care of her, preparing her, making sure that she was staying ready for the bridegroom to come and return. And what they would do is that they were set apart to go and wait. And it says, 
five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. Okay, here's the critical part. We've got to dive right into this analogy and understand what's going on. The wise ones took oil with them. Now, the bridegroom was gone for a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. How many became drowsy and fell asleep? All. So even the wise ones didn't, weren't like peeking out, right? Staying awake. You know, I'm the righteous one who's staying awake in this situation. They all became drowsy, and they all slept. Okay? So this isn't about what righteous acts and performance we're doing. There's something else in the story. It says, at the midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom! Come out and meet him! Can you imagine the person that first sees him? Oh, okay, Jesus. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. Do you guys know what trim their lamps is? So I read and researched a little bit. It was a torch with a plate on top, and then they would put the lamp. And then there's a wick, a really long wick that's wound down in it, and then it's filled with oil. So they would trim it. They would literally get that ready to go out. Now the difference is, next slide, guys. So they all woke up, and they all did that. Do you guys, are you with me? All of them did that, wise and unwise. All did the same thing. Then it says, the foolish one said to the, to the wise, give us some of your oil. <laughs> give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No. No. No, they replied. They may not be enough for both, of, both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell the oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were... On their way to buy oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went to him into the wedding banquet. Now, the last part of this is hard. And the door shut. Later, the others came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you don't know the hour or the day. Do you, do you remember who said this parable? Who said this parable? The bridegroom. I mean, that's a heavy thing here, guys. That he's, he's admitting, there's going to be a day when I look and say, I'm sorry, I don't know you. What is the difference between the wise and the foolish in this instance? They took oil with them. They anticipated. They did not know, and because they did not know, they anticipated that I have to go and make sure that I stay ready. And they did it with oil. Here, check this out. This is the cool part. Next slide. This is the impact oil is, right, in the word. Lubricates less friction and wear among those who are lubricated by the Spirit of God. Isn't that hilarious? Jesus lubricate us. I mean, come on. Is that not a word for the church? Lube us up, Lord. It should be, yes? Yes. Right? There's so much friction in today's world. So much friction. I was thinking about it, the agitation, 
that is in the world right now. We're so easily agitated with one another. We need the Holy Spirit to come and be that salve, to be that balm with one another. Heals. The Spirit of God brings healing and restoration, right? Olive oil in the Word of God. Olive oil was used for all of these things. Healing, lighting, warmth, invigorating. The Holy Spirit invigorates us for service. It can literally be a part of elements that you take in and invigorate you. I have actually been... Um, changing some of my eating habits. And you know one of the key things that I'm supposed to be eating? Olive oil. All the principles that it does for you to be able to digest and take care of your second brain, the gut, <laughs> right? Adorns, right? It becomes part of perfume, polishes, literally wipes away and smooths things. Next, um, next slide. So oil. Are we trimming our lamps and taking extra oil? So I believe the new thing, renewing relationship, positioning for outpouring. Next slide. Positioning ourselves for outpouring. Next slide. Right? Make space. Are we hungry? Are we thirsty? What are we seeking first? Right, when you're hungry, where, what do you do? Do you eat? When you're thirsty, what do you do? You drink. Right? But if you're consuming things that are not of the Lord, right, it's hard to figure out if you're hungry or you're thirsty or not. Is it him? Like, one of the things I said, um, I was talking to Mitch and Leah yesterday, and this praise came out of my mouth, and that is, I think part of the new thing that he's doing is that it's no longer about all the things of God, but it's all about him. Right? It's just him. He's the one coming back, not the fivefold. Not the apostles, although he's the great apostle. Right? Not the prophets, although he's the prophet, king, priest. It's him. It's him. Are we making space? Are we hungry? Are we thirsting? Are we seeking? These are all scriptures you know. You could all name scriptures to me. Are we waiting upon him? Are we surrendering? Are we dying? Are we obeying? But then as we do those things and make space, are we making room for his holiness, his purity, and his light to linger? See, the structure of heaven, the throne room of heaven, is built on holiness, purity, and light. Everything that John saw in Revelation reflects holiness, purity, and light. The streets are gold, and you can see through them why they've been so refined by fire, they're now translucent. Holiness, purity, and light. These are the things that cause his presence to linger. So are we making space and then making room for him to linger? And then are we making ready for the, 
king of kings to return. What are we doing with our oil? I have a feeling we need some oil. Anybody with me? We need to fill up our oil. We need to be able to go and do that next slide. We need to be able to go and fill up and trim our lamps and get spirit-filled and spirit-led. Next one, please. So how do we do it? We obey. We seek. We stir up. And we fill. We fill ourselves up. Because this is simple. This is where we want to get back to. Amen? Just a few minutes ago, you couldn't even see through it. But the thing that changed it was the outpouring of him. We can spend all day trying to perform our way into him coming and for revival to come. By the way, revival is not something that you ask for. Revival is the manifestation of when he came. Revival is the name you give when he came. Does that make sense? We want to be renewed so that revival happens. Revival means to come alive again. A fresh spirit. Do we want to see revival in our midst? Amen. Right? We do. So let's pray for the outpouring of his spirit because that's what's going to change the dynamic within us. It's going to change the dynamic within me individually, and it's going to change the dynamic within us corporately, and then it's going to change the dynamic within our families, and then it's going to change the dynamic within our community, and then it's going to change the dynamic within our nation. That's what he told us to believe in. His kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven sees us like this. We should ask for heaven to come over us. Amen? Is anybody excited? For the release and outpouring of heaven upon us. Obey, seek, stir up, and fill. I believe that you can go to the next one. With revival, it means to come alive again. When there's revival in our midst, there's certain things. Go to the next one, guys. Is that there's repentance. I think the first one is humility. There's repentance. There's reconciliation. And there's presence. Not all an exclusive but those are definitely things that you find when you see revival happening, whether you look at it for the different ones that are happening around the nation, around the globe right now, is that you'll recognize it because these are common characteristics of when the Lord is outpouring himself in a place. There's humility, no other than you, God. There's repentance. I don't want to go back to where I came from. I want to go in another direction. Do you know one of the key things, I spoke this to the youth, do you know one of the most incredible things that we can be praying for the next generation? They are the Joel generation. I will pour my spirit out upon them. Why? Sons and daughters will begin to prophesy, right? Dreams and visions. They're in the generation of the spirit of God pouring out. This is the stuff that we're asking for, is the outpouring and the positioning of the Holy Spirit to come. So what I want to do for the remainder of the time is literally position ourselves in a place for the Spirit of God to come.